Welcome to One City Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message by Chris Conley. For more information, please visit our website at onecitymemphis.org. Before I start part three of More Than Conquerors, I want to share a word with you this morning. Uh, let's see if this, get this mic working right here. Anything I need to do? Um, so this morning, Barbara Adams sent me a word that I felt like was a timely word, a word that I believe has some prophetic qualities to it, and you know, some people have some misunderstandings about that word prophetic, and, you know, they'll just kind of think about it in Old Testament ways. But in a New Testament way, it just simply means it's a word that encourages you. It's a word that builds you up. It's a word that draws you near or close to God. And it's a word that has uh, an element of predictive nature in it. It, it, it. it has an element of the future in it. It's a, it's a piece of the puzzle. It's not the whole puzzle. But when she sent me this word from Isaiah chapter 54, verses 2 through 6 this morning, this is the message translation, I felt like this word was so timely, incredibly timely, given that we're having the picnic today. And, and let me explain a couple things about this new property. Hopefully what you've seen all along is that we're kind of trying to apply the truth from Joshua chapter 1, where every place that the sole of your foot treads, the Lord's going to give it to you. And so there's a lot of things that we've done in the uh, pursuit of acquiring this property that may not be the most practical, but yet we believe it's the best expression of our faith. And so there are things that we have done in the sense that we've gone and cleaned up a property that wasn't ours. We're cutting the grass on a property that's not ours, all right? Um, we are about to have a picnic on a property that's not ours. We're about to introduce ourselves. Over 50 neighbors have committed to come to the picnic today and begin the process of proving love works to neighbors who aren't quite officially neighbors yet. We have put the synagogue into the pre-roll of the video of the life of this church, believing this is our home. Because if we didn't begin this process with faith, there's no way a church of this size would be used of God to raise about a million dollars in order to be able to secure the loan to make this happen. And we believe our God is a God that speaks promises, but not only speaks promises, but delivers on promises. And so in Isaiah 54, verses 2 through 6, from the message translation, it says, Clear lots of ground for your tents. We got four acres over there. Clear lots of ground for your tents. Make your tents large. Spread out. Think big. I don't know how not to think big. And I believe our God thinks big. And I believe God wants to increase your thinking and help you think big. Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ and you will think bigger than you're currently thinking. Use plenty of rope Drive the tent pegs deep. You're going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. 
You're going to take over whole nations. Now, if I admit, okay, just in honest right now, that challenges my faith, right? I mean, whole nations. But I do want to think in agreement with God. The next one I believe God's given me faith for, I've got to grow in faith. You're going to resettle abandoned cities. We are going to resettle this city. This city is named after the capital city of Egypt. Originally, the capital city of Egypt was Memphis. And there's a lot of parallels between this city. Obviously, they're both on a major river. But there's also parallels in the history with slavery and oppression and things of that nature. But the word Memphis means enduring beauty. Enduring beauty. We're going to resettle abandoned cities. Now watch what it says next. Don't be afraid. You want to know what I I, I did in this? I wrote again. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. (laughs) Any of y'all ever need to do that? You are not going to be embarrassed. Don't hold back. You're not going to come up short. And so I wrote, you're not going to come up short. You're not going to come up short. You're not going to come up short. You'll forget all the humiliations of your youth. I don't know how to be vulnerable or not be vulnerable. It's like just who I am. And so for better or for worse, you'll get, you know, some of the things. But like even the song we just sang is a song we sang at High Point all the time. It just stirs my soul. And I don't, like, I heard it this morning in rehearsal, and I was just, tears. But everything there was beautiful and glorious, and God did amazing work. And he's restoring, and he's speaking into the future, and he's doing amazing work again. Now, when I say think big, the person I'm about to quote, to my knowledge, is not a person of faith, but God does extraordinary things in people. He plants the image of God in people. He gives people faith who even aren't believers yet. And there are people who dream God-sized things and accomplish extraordinary things. And can you imagine what would happen if their heart gets locked in and they surrender all to Jesus and allow that to be for the kingdom? So here's an Elon Musk quote. Yes is yes, maybe is yes, no is just a delayed yes. (laughs) Woo, I love that. I promise you, I will say that so many times you'll think it's a Chris Conley quote. All right, yes is yes, maybe is yes, no is just a delayed yes. So what does it look like for us to be more than conquerors? In week one, we said it's to be more than copers. He didn't call us to be a coper. He called us to be a conqueror. So stop asking God for a little bit of help. Stop asking God for a little bit of healing. Stop asking God for partial healing. Stop being content with getting back to even. All right? 
God wants more than the absence of problems in your life. He wants more than the absence of pain in your life. Week two, we talked about it means that if we're going to be more than conquerors, we also have to conquer in some small things. And we said one needs an abiding relationship with God, kind of seven primary needs. One needs family. You can go back and listen to last week's message. I won't spend too much time diving into this. You can listen to the podcast. Karen and I do a conversation after each message as well. One needs family. One needs friends. One needs a career. One needs a purpose and a plan. One needs to pay attention to spiritual, mental, and physical health. And then one needs productive, enjoyable ways to use their time outside of work. Or you just got to build a foundation. And if you can get four of those seven things right, you're mostly healthy. You get five of those seven things right, man, you're beginning to go from surviving to thriving. And if you also give yourself permission to know that 25% of your life's always under construction, all right? So you're not going to have it all right, so don't turn this into something legalistic. Number three, it means we conquer the big things second. So how do we conquer the past? All of us, to one degree or another, have a pain in our past that the enemy tries to keep in our present. How do we conquer the past How do you conquer painful memories? How do you conquer strongholds? This is possible, by the way. It is possible. Imagine what would be different in your personal life, what would be different in your family if people allowed God to heal the past. I mean, how do we conquer the future? How do we pursue God's purpose? How do we pursue God's prize? So let me ask this question. What do you ask for from God? Dear God, just give us a good day. Hope the weather's good today. Would you bless the day? Oh, that's fine. But if that's all you pray, that's not fine. If God were to answer your prayers, who would you become? If God were to answer your prayers, who would the people in your circle of influence become? If God were to answer your prayers, what would change in your circle? See, one of the things we say is if you win your circle, we'll win our city. And so are you asking big enough? Are you asking for something bigger than you? Are you asking for something bigger than happiness? He wants to give you happiness. There's nothing wrong with that. The healthier you are, the happier you'll be, okay? But are you asking for something bigger than the absence of problems or absence of pain? Listen, I'm about to give you what I think is a paradox. If you don't pursue purpose, okay, if you don't pursue purpose, by default, you will end up pursuing pleasure. But... The pursuit of pleasure without purpose will ruin you. The pursuit of pleasure without purpose will destroy you. You can't handle pleasure without purpose. But watch this, all right? If the bigger your eternal purpose, the more you pursue an eternal purpose, the smaller your daily pressure. That's the the part that I think is a 
a paradigm shift. It's a paradox. The bigger your eternal purpose, the smaller your daily pressure. Why? Because, see, when I'm pursuing an eternal purpose, I know he has to accomplish it through me. I know he's not depending on just me and me alone. And I know he's going to do it with a team. And when he does it with a team, then I'm a part of the team. I'm a member of the team. I'm a part of the victory process. But the pressure of it all doesn't just depend upon me. But apart from God, if you're just trying to pursue your individual purpose and your individual pleasure apart from God, A, this life's too difficult. It's a fallen, sinful, broken world. You can't make everything work on your own because others are not going to cooperate with you. Imagine that. All right? So what we have to do is we have to find a purpose bigger than ourselves. Philippians chapter 3, let's start in verse 7. But whatever gain I had, and Paul had lots of gain um, in his human pursuit. He was incredibly accomplished, okay? Um, Perhaps the most accomplished person in the New Testament. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss, Now, how do you count gain as loss? None of us like to lose anything. How do you count gain as loss? He says, for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss. Oh, that is so difficult. Anyone want to volunteer to count everything as loss? Trust me, you don't. I count everything as loss because, now here's the key. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I can count things as lost because of the view of what I'm gaining. I'm gaining the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He says, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish. Now, if you want to know the Greek behind rubbish, okay, it means bodily excrement, all right? In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, not blind faith. Faith means confident trust that God is who he says he is, and he'll do what he says he'll do. And the righteousness from God depends on that faith, that confident trust. Verse 10, that I may know him. Now, here's the key. There's a lot of people, especially in the South, that we claim to know God, but we don't know the power of God. That shouldn't be possible. If you know him, then you're going to know the power of his resurrection. He never intended or designed for us to live a defeated life. I came so that you may have life and life more abundant. The enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy But I have come to give you life and life more abundant, all right? And so he says um, that by any means possible, I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. All right, so now as we look at this, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing value. Let me just take a moment to give you some biblical snapshots of the value, all right? What is the surpassing value in your life of a love 
that covers a multitude of sins. A multitude of sins. That word sin just means I missed the mark. It means I'm imperfect. What is the, I mean, does anyone in here want to try to hit the mark? All right. So what is the surpassing value of, watch this one, perfect love cast out fear. There's a lot of fear in this world. And if you try to live this life without any eternal purpose, and you try to live this life just pursuing pleasure, the fear is only going to increase. All right? Uh, what's the surpassing value of being known by love? Or watch this. Watch what love says here. What's the surpassing value of love bearing all things, believing all things, hoping all things, enduring all things, and never failing. Has anyone ever had love fail on them? Absolutely. It doesn't mean that a believer is never going to fail you once, twice, five times, ten times. But what it does mean is when we fail one another, there's the conviction of the Holy Spirit to come in and prompt us to ask one another for forgiveness it's the conviction of the Holy Spirit that comes in and asks us to reconcile a relationship. It's the conviction of the Holy Spirit that causes you to love someone who you really don't want to love. I've told this story before, and you'll hear me tell it again and again. It's my favorite Annika story. She was somewhere in that middle school age range. You see, Dad, 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 I totally get unconditional love. You don't have to talk to me about unconditional love. She said, but I have conditional like. I think we all have conditional like, okay? And so, what is the surpassing value of love works? Now, notice this next thing. He says, for his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things, all things, and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. What do you actually lose when you gain Christ? Honestly, we lose sin, and the temporary pleasures of sin. Let's not be so super spiritual that we don't admit that there are temporary pleasures associated with sin. Sin, the enemy is the master of deception. He makes sin look good on the front end. All right? But ultimately, here's what you lose. You lose sin and the persistent consequences of sin. Yeah. And so in this you know what you also lose? You lose broken love because what's going to happen is he's going to heal the broken love and he's going to give you a love that actually works. So you're not losing anything, you're gaining everything. So what do you gain when you gain Christ? The peace of Christ. How many people do you really know in life that truly have peace? Most people... Their heart is discontent on several levels. And most people are looking for an achievement to give them peace or looking for a relationship to give them peace. And achievements will be temporary and relationships will be inconsistent. But see, he gives you the peace of Christ. He gives you the power of Christ. He gives you the promises of Christ. What are some of those promises that my joy may be in you and your joy may be made full? The promise that his divine power has granted to us 
everything pertaining to life and godliness? Don't you want someone on your side? Like, in the early days of marriage, Karen is like the most ethical person I know, the most responsible person I know, and when there would be some disagreement or something, she'd always like, you would feel like take the other person's side. She's asking these questions and making sure I'm doing the right thing. And I'd be like, this is driving me crazy. Like, you are killing me. Why? Because I just want one person on my side first. Get on my side first and ask all those other questions. I'm okay. But if you're asking the questions first and I don't feel like you're seeing it from my perspective first, don't you just want someone on your side? God's always on your side. And then what do you gain? Well, there's this phrase throughout Scripture he uses And the phrase is this, much more. You just keep gaining much more, much more, much more. Like Hebrews 9, 14 says, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience, watch, from dead works to serve the living God? How much more? So do you have a purpose People aren't good without a purpose. Think about it. So when do you feel the most alive? Do you feel the most alive on your birthday when everyone's giving you presents? I mean, it's a great thing, but honestly, it's not when I feel most alive. I feel most alive when I am pursuing something, accomplishing something bigger than me. I believe you feel most alive when, you know, and bigger than you can be your family. Bigger than you can be the people at your workplace. Bigger than you. See, life is worthwhile when you're pursuing something meaningful, valuable, something that blesses others. See, the why behind the what is your driving force. If you don't know why your life exists, then that's meaningless instead of meaningful. If you don't know why your life is, if you don't know why you're doing what you're doing, then life's going to throw curveballs at you. Circumstances are going to come that we call those circumstances adversity. And you're going to be tempted to quit because this life is hard. Why should I overcome if God isn't for me? Why should I overcome if all things don't work out together for good? Why should I overcome if everything is meaningless? Why should I overcome if my choices don't matter? Listen, your choices matter. They matter. Watch this. Your choice not to conquer, it matters. Other people's choice to not conquer, it matters. So are you surrounding yourself with conquerors or non-conquerors? Which one are you going to become? Are you going to learn how to not conquer because you're surrounding yourself with not conquerors? Or are you going to learn how to conquer because you're surrounding yourself with people who are more than conquerors? See, if there's not a meaningful why behind the what, watch this, then you will experience the emptiness of hedonism. Hedonism is the pursuit of pleasure. Listen to Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. Imagine you're Solomon and you're able to accomplish this. He says, 
And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. That's pretty, we would love to have that. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had experienced in doing, and behold, all was vanity and a striving after the wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. I promise you, pleasure will disappoint you. But if you pursue a purpose bigger than your own individual pleasure and you pursue his purpose, you'll find pleasure in pursuing his purpose. You'll find pleasure in being who God made you to be and doing what God called you to do. Now, I got to get you out of here a little bit earlier today. Actually, I'm doing pretty good. All right, Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Listen, not that I have already obtained this or have already become perfect, all right? So a lot of times we don't set goals because by setting the goal, it creates a target that we might not hit. And if we create a target we might not hit, then we might feel like a failure. Let's just be honest. But he says he's not concerned about that because he's, not setting his goals, he's setting God's goals. He says, not that I've already obtained this, I've already become perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Now you gotta get the why behind the what. Why? Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Oh my gosh, capture that. Listen to this. He says, but I press on to make it my own. Are you gonna take ownership of things? Are you gonna be an owner are you going to be someone that owns the call of God upon your life, the purpose of God upon your life? Or most of us have turned into consumers instead of contributors. Why should I make it my own? Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Wait a second. He's going to purchase you with a price. He's going to say paid in full. He's going to die for you, but you're unwilling to live for him. He says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. Would you narrow your focus? If you'll do the one thing and it's his thing, everything else will fall into place. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, let's be healed from the past, forgetting what lies behind, and straining forward to what lies ahead. And I know some of us want to think there shouldn't be any straining in Christianity. They're straining. Okay, you know, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. We live in a sinful, fallen world. I've got my own sin issues. They're straining. Moving forward against resistance is straining. In straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal. Watch this. For the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Purpose is important. And it's definitely better than a lack of purpose. Can we just keep it simple? Like, the people that you know that have a sense of purpose, are they doing better than the people that you know who have a lack of purpose? 
Hello. Your purpose involves your work, yes, but it involves more than your work. Your purpose involves your provision, but it involves more than your provision. Our purpose must be God's purpose. Now watch this. Positive emotion. If you want to overcome your battles with discouragement, your battles with different types of stresses, your battles with anxiety, your battles with all these things, positive emotion comes from purpose, pursuit, and progress. God believes in you, by the way. Like, he looks at you, and he doesn't see your past. He looks at you, and he sees your divine potential. He looks at you and he speaks into your future. He doesn't look at you and go, well, yeah, but if you didn't do that thing 10 years ago, I could really do something great with you. See, the pursuit is beautiful. Don't you respect people that pursue something? Listen, he says, now, I've not already obtained it. I've not already become perfect, but watch this. In that Philippians 1, 6 way that for I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Watch this. The pursuit plays a strong role in perfecting you. The persevering of, that is required in the pursuit plays a strong role in perfecting you. The pressing on perfects you. Now, this you got to hear this if you don't hear anything else today. The prize perfects you. The lack of a prize defects you. The prize perfects you. The lack of a prize defects you. The lack of a prize means I become the prize. The lack of a prize means my life's all about me, myself, and I. The lack of a prize means I am living to pursue me, please me. But when I have a purpose bigger and better than myself, then all of the blessing of God comes alongside the joy of blessing others, and you are always blessed when you bless others. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. In verse 13, he says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind And straining forward to what lies ahead. So as an action point, as an application, what's one thing you need to do? As we end this series, would you ask the Lord? Would you write it down in your phone? Would you make a note? What's the one thing you need to do? Think about it. Answer it. Ask yourself, what, would you willi- what, what are you willing to do to be more than a conqueror? It's going to cost you something. What do you need to conquer from your past? You can conquer it. What do you need to conquer right now in the present tense? You can conquer it through him who loves you. What do you need to conquer that's in your future? So pick one thing. But here's the thing. Go ahead, just pick the easiest thing. Pick the low-hanging fruit. Get an early wind under your belt. If you're the Grizzlies, would you please win the first quarter for a change? You're killing me, driving me crazy. 
So the best way to conquer is when the problems are small. I mean, if you avoid or delay, the problem's only going to grow. And guess what? Small problems become big problems. Every small sin wants to grow up and be a big sin. So we conquer by picking the easiest thing. Then we conquer by consistency. In our previous series, it was just keep showing up. There's a certain amount of success in just showing up. Now you conquer the day, watch, watch. Conquer the day or you'll be conquered by the day. There's a book by Mark Batterson called Win the Day. He's a great writer, I highly recommend him. Win the day. If you keep winning the day, you'll win the week. If you keep winning the weeks, you'll win the month. You keep winning the months, you'll win the year. But would you just win the day? See, conquer your schedule or you'll be conquered by your schedule. Or, or let me say this, the lack of a schedule, okay? So now let's, let's move toward closing. Pick a purpose you can be passionate about. I'm naturally a passionate person. And so if you're not naturally a passionate person, there's still something I believe you're passionate about. It may look different. It may sound different. You may not express it the same way, but I believe passion lives inside of you. So does your passion, does it address a problem you care about? Does your passion address a problem? See, every vision is a solution to a problem. And if you have a vision that doesn't solve a problem I care about, I don't care about your vision. I only care about your vision if your vision solves a problem I care about. So can your strengths and skills be used to help be a part of the solution? Think of it this way. Does this pursuit, whatever you're, you're like I'm asking you to pick a purpose that you're passionate about. Does this pursuit help you grow in Christ? I don't see people growing in Christ who aren't serving the Lord, who aren't leading. People who aren't serving the Lord, but they're spending all the time in the Word, they become arrogant. They become prideful. They become Pharisees. But what keeps someone humble as they're growing in the Word is they go out there in the real world and they serve people, and that's really hard to do. And they have to love people outside of a classroom environment, and that's really hard to do because we are messed up, jacked up, hard-to-love people. Does this pursuit help you feel a part of something bigger than yourself? And then he says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What are you pressing on toward right now? When you press on, you'll become more like Christ. When you press on, what we just taught in the last series, just keep showing up, it was all about discipleship. When you press on, you'll be discipled and you'll want to be a disciple maker. But watch this. We must press on in specific assignments on specific teams. If you press on generically, good luck. Nothing becomes dynamic until it becomes specific. You have to press on in a specific assignment. Go into all the world and make disciples. And if I leave it that generic, you'll go... That's just too big of an assignment. 
I don't know how to do that. But if I say, win your circle and we'll win the city, if I say, would you consider discipling three people a year or every two years, if I break it down small enough, and we're going to give you specific assignments, a new one that I want to give is I want to create an assignment that's a difference maker's team. Like, there's a team, I want you, you know, some people call it a dream team. I want to call it the difference maker's team. And, like, when we have a picnic like this, all of you show up. You show up early, you stay late, and you are the servants that make things happen. We're the difference makers. We'll talk more about that in the future, but let me close today with this. Did you know that your life can be meaningful enough to over? Come suffering. Wow, think about that. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. So I can't promise you that you're not going to have trouble. I can't promise you that you're not going to experience suffering. I can't promise you that we're going to protect you. But I can promise you that God will make you strong and courageous. Did you know that your life can be meaningful enough to overcome or watch even endure suffering? Suffering sometimes is completely unfair. Sometimes you're suffering from something you didn't do, you didn't initiate. But watch. Why do people avoid something meaningful? Well, it's a struggle. <laughs> Newsflash, everything's a struggle. It's a struggle. It's hard. Well, you know, not having a purpose is hard. Not having meaning is hard. Let's toughen up a little bit. I mean, if you look at Paul's life, I mean, he's like, I got lashed here and I was lost at sea here and I was thrown into prison here and we're going, I don't know that I can do 40 hours a week. I'm not sure I can go back into the office. I've gotten used to just working from home. Not a statement, just let me have a little humor, a little fun. Watch this. I'd rather struggle doing something meaningful than struggle doing something meaningless. So here's the word. Stop procrastinating. Start conquering. What would happen if you stopped fearing failure? What would happen if you start, stopped avoiding responsibility? What would happen if you stopped delaying the pursuit? What would happen if you believed, truly believed, you were more than a conqueror? Especially in manhood right now, it's been a problem for a while, but there's too much passivity. We need to overcome passivity with passion. We need to overcome passivity with purpose. What if you overcame your problems with a sense of purpose? Listen, I got problems. Karen and I got problems. But if we focused on our problems all the time and not the purpose, we sure wouldn't be leading you. You wouldn't be following us. 
His purpose pushes, it pushes you forward, but it also pulls you forward. His passion, it's a push-pull dynamic. It pushes you and it pulls you. I need both. There are times people said, oh, wow, Chris, like I'm so impressed, you know, you got out of the boat. And I'm like, I'm not sure I got out of the boat or if I was pushed out of the boat. (laughs) All right? His purpose, his passion, his promises, they push you and they pull you. So would you be more afraid, please, I beg you, would you be more afraid of not pursuing than pursuing? Be more afraid of not pursuing than pursuing. There's no limit to your ability to conquer through Christ. And here's the last word. You have Christ's capacity, not human capacity. You are not small. You are not insignificant. Young man, what's your name? Right here in the white. CJ. There's something, there's a greater purpose in you. There's a greater purpose. Live into the bigness of what he sees in you. It's true for all of us. Robert, ain't no way in hell he's given up on you. No way. He's not going to let hell win. He redeems. Josh, you have conquered. You're on the Did you just graduate or when's when's graduation? Seventh. Okay, this Saturday. You're going to conquer this Saturday. Yeah. But you're, it's just the beginning of conquering. There is a bigger purpose. There is a better purpose. There is a higher calling. Brandon, you have stepped into a higher calling, into a higher pursuit to represent someone more than yourself and to represent us in those ways. Those, those are, see, these are the kind of things that all of us have to choose to live for him and live for others instead of ourselves. And then you'll experience a little bit of fulfillment. The most miserable thing in the world is trying to turn Christianity into a selfish expression. It's just impossible. You didn't come to faith because we said, here's a self-help guru to help you be better at helping self and you've never been good at helping self. You came to faith because here is a savior who died for you, rose again on the third day and promised that his spirit will dwell within you and that you will be able to live the life he designed for you 
and that there is fruit, more fruit, and much fruit, and that you can live for the glory of God and the good of man. That's what we're called to do. Today, go to the picnic. Everyone's going to get a name tag. The name tags that have a blue edge around them, those are one city people. The name tags that are just white and don't have a blue edge, those are neighbors. Now, don't put a full court press on the neighbors. <laughs> don't be those Christians. But go build some bridges. Go take interest in people. Go ask some good questions. Be great listeners. That's the best way you can love people. Don't try to win someone in one conversation when all hell's broken loose for years and they're like, and just because you told me this, you want me to do what? Just love them. Hopefully, we'll have the privilege of loving them all the time. So today, I want to close by giving people the opportunity to trust Christ. And then today... We're going to continue our response time by loving people at the picnic and loving one another. You can have conversations. Would you pray with me? If today something clicked, something went from I'm not sure I believe to actually I can believe in the Jesus that was just presented today. If something in your spirit went from, I don't know, to I want to believe. If there's a part of you that just wants to believe, then just say yes to him. And here's the way you say yes. You just say, dear God, forgive me of my sin. That word sin means we missed the mark. It means we're imperfect. It's the one thing that every single person can agree upon. Dear God, forgive me of my sin. Second, God, I repent of my sin. It just means I don't want to live that way anymore. I don't want to live for me anymore. I don't want to fail at living for me. I want to live for you. And third, it just means you would just say it this way. Save me, Lord Jesus. Save me, Lord Jesus. And as soon as you say, save me, Lord Jesus, God hears that prayer. He answers that prayer. And I believe something awakens in your spirit, something awakens in your soul, and there's a desire just for you to say, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's message, share it with a friend, and be sure to subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single episode. Join our movement and help us to prove that love works. You can give towards our mission at onecitymemphis.org.